Hello, Haz. It's very balmy today. It is. It's very warm, Dr. Jonathan James. Well, thank you very much. I thought I should refer to you in your full title because you've been doing a very important job recently. I have actually been adjudicating on a panel for a fanfare competition. Thanks for bringing that up. (laughs) I've got to boast about you sometimes because sometimes you will underplay yourself and you've been adjudicating fanfare competition with none other than Kevin Price... Yes. Off of RWCMD. Who, yes, so the, I think, head of instrumental studies as well as being a, a complete um, brass guru and head of brass, I think he was formerly. I don't know. I ought to <laughs> look I mean, at these things. And then Philip Harper. Yes. Off of Corey Band. The Big Cheese, who's won so many world prizes with said band. I mean, I feel a bit of a fraud. No way. I'm the generalist. I come in with a sort of a general appreciation of the, uh, you know, of the genre that is brass bands and and, and fanfares because we were judging this fanfare competition for both uh, younger composers and more established ones. And it's been a fantastic process. And I'm pleased to say that we were unanimous. And while I remember, here's a plug for the prom at which you can hear the fanfare winners, uh, which... Oh, it's July the 12th. Perfect. July the 12th at St. David's Hall, the Brass and Voices Prom with the Cory Band and Amassed Voices. It's going to be terrific. Ooh, it sounds great. But I, I was feeling slightly fraudulent because, of course, they know the exact range of a cornet and, you know, whether a trombone can really slide from that note to that one and all that sort of thing. But then you're being the everyman. You are the Louis Walsh. Of, <laughs> I mean, he sat on the X Factor panel for years. He Dim did. credentials. Not sure I like that comparison. No, okay, sorry. <laughs> you are the Alicia Dixon. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Amanda Holden of the panel, and you know what the audience will like, and just you know a good tune when you hear one. I do. I can appreciate good orchestration and mm. and and a good crafting of melody and harmony. So. Um, Anyway, it was exciting and, uh, yeah, I felt quite doctorly during that. I, do you know, I was listening to all the fanfares on the coronation service recently and I felt, well, I, I thought of two things. One was, um, please, please don't let them split any notes. Please. I know, I think that all the time. <laughs> I think it all the time. Because so, those, those sort of fanfare-style trumpets, um, are, they must be a bugger to play. I know. It, honestly, it makes my... We're both sitting here like cringing. Yeah, thinking. I'm also. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Our our fists are closed. Yeah, yeah. But they they nailed it. Of course, it's their job. It's their job. Even so, mm. you know. And the second, I thought, wow, they must have lips like titanium. I wonder what it would be like to kiss them. Oh my gosh. Well, not literally, but I just thought, and then it got me thinking, who has the firmest embouchures in an orchestra? <laughs> <laughs> and. You know, oboe might be up there, or any double read, but I reckon a fanfare-playing trumpeter. Yeah. You know, who does it for a living. Yeah, they're nothing but like a zip for a mouth. like. Yeah, that would be a bracing experience is what I thought. Wow. You, you really need to get back to work, John, because <laughs> this, this kind of thought is not healthy. We're digressing, but I thought we could maybe pick a, a couple of fanfares um that we've enjoyed in our lives. Mm. And uh, so let's start with one that is commonly played, and that's the fanfare that precedes La Perry by Paul Ducat. <laughs> ¶¶ 
jubilant. And with cracking melodies, right? Yeah, but no split notes. Cracking melodies, but no actual cracks. No actual cracks. I bring up the melodic aspect because often, uh, well, I think a bad fanfare is just a series of flourishes and, um, you know, just tropes and stereotypical you know kind of thing yeah it's just the same chord spelt differently yes. like lots of different times lots of different times and you can go on autopilot but there Ducar comes up with something that you can really hum in the shower mm. and is and also it has a this this middle b section that we didn't quite get through uh in in our listen there but it it, it has real structure and musical interest that fanfare and you also threatened me with uh, 23 and a half more hours because that's part of a playlist that's 24 <laughs> hours worth of fanfare. Are you referring, Has, to <laughs> the Braving the Stave <laughs> podcast playlist on Spotify? I am. That would make your ears bleed, though, wouldn't it? That much fanfare? That much fanfare, yes. But I have to say, um, we have a very varied mm. Spotify playlist that draws on the music from previous years of of this podcast so please do go to spotify and you can find it there braving the stave podcast playlist all 24 hours what else are you going to do with your summer <laughs> i don't know just screaming into the void um can i tell you a bit about fanfares yeah go on then well apparently the word fanfare comes from uh, well is is of arabic origin meaning trumpets but i looked this up and i have to say it doesn't seem to, i think wiki's got it wrong <laughs> No, not Wikipedia. <laughs> so that's a bit disappointing. So if anybody actually knows where fanfare comes from, I can tell you where the, the word trumpet comes from. Oh, yeah. From trompe in French, meaning uh, trunk, an elephant's trunk. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. That's quite cool. And um, apparently fanfares used to be played in a hunting context mainly, uh, as well as all the ceremonial banquety type fanfares. But rather disturbingly uh, when the hounds were allowed a share of the stag people oh. would break out a fanfare on their bugles that's nothing more obnoxious yeah. that sounds horrible have i ruined fanfares for life you that's know? the equivalent of the boy racers down in tesco car park just <laughs> revving their engines going around everyone's like yeah well done <laughs> big man very well we don't need to fanfare that yeah exactly yes. Still, what have you got for me then? So I've got quite a personal and lovely relationship with this fanfare that I've brought. It's uh, the King's Row theme mm-hmm. fanfare by Corngold. And this was actually played for my sister to walk down the aisle. Oh. I know. With her now husband, who is a French horn player. And um, he showed us the version with the Vienna horns um playing it and i think i can't really remember but i'm pretty sure i arranged it for her for brass sextet so i couldn't remember because i had this theme in my head and i was like where do i know this fanfare from and so i text them this morning i was like what was the name of your <laughs> bridal entry and i was like oh yeah it was this one it was this one <laughs> i like the fact that you're vague about whether you arranged it for sextet or not that's, i can't remember that's very nonchalant we do a lot of weddings i mean <laughs> but it's so typical of my sister to be like you know i just want something small family church close friends and family but for my entrance i'm gonna have the vienna horns <laughs> brilliant brilliant let's take a lesson Thank you. 
that's something to walk into. Isn't it? Apart from the glockenspiel. Not sure about the glockenspiel. There was no glockenspiel. Okay. uh, Sans glockenspiel. But what was amazing is that, you know when you have your mates play for your wedding, anything is really cute. Um, But all their mates happen to be like section principals and (laughs) members of of the RPO, WNO, BBC Now and all this thing. And the rest of the congregation were all musicians. So the level of respect, I mean like, her entrance was so beautiful, but also what a concert. And everyone was so quiet and then waited for the music to come to a natural stop. And then I can't remember if there was applause or not, but there was definitely like a sense of reverence in the church. Like that was great. So slightly competing with the actual main event of the bride entering in a way. (laughs) No, she, I think it was the most beautiful bridal entrance I've ever seen. Nothing would, nothing would ever compare to that. So the music was like a zero out of 10 compared to how she looked, but the whole thing (laughs) together was amazing. Well saved. Mm. That's beautiful. Corn Gold, um, genius writer for for film, and that from the King's Row film. I remember using that excerpt, but in its original orchestration for full orchestra, as an example of how John Williams um, not plundered it, but used it as a template for Star Wars and the main title from Star Wars. It definitely sounds John Williams-esque, and yeah, I can see how he took the best bits of that, and who wouldn't? It's great. We might have some John Williams later for, Ooh, for everybody to listen, yeah. <laughs> to look forward to, rather. Um, well, I'm going to come back with something a little bit more, I suppose, aesthetically demanding and uh, less lavish, but still, I think, thrilling. Oh. Um, this is Benjamin Britten, who wrote very good fanfares, despite the fact he didn't play brass. You know, as you know, he was a violist. Yeah, I know that because he wrote uh, some tricky things. <laughs> <laughs> This is a lesser-known fanfare, so I think quite exciting for our learned listeners. Mm. So he wrote a fanfare first in in Edmondsbury, and that's better known uh, for Three Trumpets. And this one is for the Eagle with Two Heads. And um, yeah, it's it's a stern fanfare, but I think it, it works a treat. It's a fanfare. I mean, it ticks all the boxes. Actually, do you know, listening to the ending of that, I feel slightly deflated. That's what I was going to say. I was. I feel like fanfares for me because I don't. I really don't know the term. <laughs> Certainly not in Arabic. But mm. um, I feel like they always lead on to something. They're leading towards a big moment, dun, 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 and then we're going to go into a big tune. And that one sort of was like, well, we've hit time on the room, so. <laughs> 
we're gonna pack up now i do like the use of percussion in that and i think um good fanfares are often augmented by the use of side drum rolls and, mm. and cymbals um or indeed timps in the case of of the copeland fanfare for a common man which mm. both of us probably would have reached for initially but yeah. thought, no i'm not I gonna do that thought you were gonna go for it that's you why thought, i didn't know I have conducted that on a couple of occasions and it's scary actually. There's mm. a lot of space around it and a lot of ways in which it can sort of slightly splinter and mm -hmm. fall apart. But um, so I just thought I'd put that in because Benjamin Britten you wouldn't normally associate with brass writing no. or with that kind of, um, I suppose, style of ceremonial writing. But just to show what a professional jobbing composer he was. Yeah. I wonder if he, was he commissioned that, do you reckon? Someone was like, can you write this fanfare, please? Yes, must have been. E the Eagle has two heads. I wonder whether that's a film and it's from that and hence why we get that sort of climb down at yes. the end because it's going into a new scene. That's, I yeah. try to find that, of course, mm -hmm. but the internet was curiously quiet on the subject. Let us down, let us down. <laughs> So we were going to be speaking to a celebrity today. I know we trailed that in the last uh, conversation last month. However, um, the celebrities who will remain unnamed for now, because I think we might be able to speak to them in the future, um, were typically elusive. You know, they're busy people, hence mm -hmm. being, you know, celebrated. Uh, so instead... <laughs> instead you came up with a, a whiz-bang idea. Well, I just thought because it's our season finale... Um, let's go for fabulous festive finales or things that end off a nice season or a nice movement or a nice piece really well. That's great. I often, uh, you know, if I'm being honest with you, Has, which I think I generally am. You always are. I really look forward to the finale of a symphony and, you know, almost to the extent of looking at my watch thinking, you know, this is great, but however... <laughs> I want to get to the finale. Yes, it's always yeah. mid-second movement. I'm like, ooh, they're doing the repeats. Okay, <laughs> okay, let's get through this jolly third movement. Right, crack in right. fourth movement now and let's That's get it. into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I like it when composers go against the grain, like Tchaikovsky. Ooh. So I thought I, we should preface this by saying we both selected two top finales, haven't we? Yeah. Um. And I've just gone and shoehorned my choice in there first. That's fine. You go first because mine are absolute bangers. I think the only way is up after Tchaikovsky's sixth finale, which is marked Adagio Lamentoso. And it sort of rewrote the rule book and allowed people to complete their symphonies in a crushingly depressing way. Yeah. Um, so he's speaking of death. We have the faltering heartbeat famously at the end. And uh, he said that it was be the most lingering adagio and it has that lingering quality at the end but it's um so bleak the way he orchestrates it's right dark deep in the belly of the orchestra um and i find it incredibly powerful
That's a jowler, isn't it? <laughs> you are nodding mm. your head and shaking imaginary jowls. Yeah, it's when everyone's like, do, do, and everyone is like really getting into it, but your cheeks are wobbling. And especially for violas, if you're on the C string and you happen to have more than one chin, <coughs> they wobble, for sure. It's a starring moment for violas, isn't it? And our chins, yeah. It's a great, it's a great time. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about in terms of your chin. But well, anyway. oh, thanks, John. Thanks, John. Um, can I hit back at you with a little more sparkly finale? I think we're going to need it as a season ender. We can't leave it <laughs> with the pathetic <laughs> Tchaikovsky. No, exactly. So I thought I would bring to you uh, Beethoven One, the finale. <gasps> Beautiful choice. I love this one so much and I love the start um, because every conductor does it differently, every orchestra does it differently, but also it's like holding your breath before going and getting into it and it's so much fun. It's so playful, isn't it? Did you know that that, the opening to this finale is often chosen as an excerpt for uh, conductor auditions? I didn't, but I have... That makes sense. I've played in an orchestra before where we were helping, not train up conductors, but yeah, I suppose it's like a masterclass, that's it, yeah. for conductors. And yeah, that is hard. Because you have to sort of manage the tapering of the phrase and, and, mm. and that sense of expectation and pause, uh, or multiple pauses, in fact, and then you're off Yeah. Um, into what is, yeah, such um, a joyful, but almost kind of frenetically joyful. Yes. Uh, final theme it's all scales and upward surges and octaves for us it's so much fun <laughs> so which bit should we do the opening so people can hear yeah okay let's do that bit imagine right. you're conducting this orchestra it's just you and the first violins and everyone else is just watching As was singing the complete viola line through all of that, and it was it was a tour de force. Thank you so much. And then we got to the repeat. I was like, "Are we doing it? Yes, we are." <laughs> it's so good. So much dialogue in there as well. Yeah. Know, in amongst the busyness. 
it's like we were like both conducting then and doing like a little sword fight. It was fun. Yeah, Enjoy that was it. a lot of fun. I think everybody should physicalize their response to a Beethoven finale. Yeah, for sure. It's great. <laughs> I love that one. And it makes me feel like part of a team or a little community when I'm playing it. I don't know why. I just, yeah, I love it. Life affirming. Yeah. And busy. you've played that several times. Yeah. And mm. it's nice when you do it differently. I suppose it, it would be if it was the same each time it'd be boring so it's nice to be kept on on your toes a bit with that one i bet you're nervous though coming to that because you know oh. to keep that off the string and really sort of accurate you know in terms of the ensemble and all of that i feel like more it's like a relief when you get to the end one because you're like okay here we go and all those sort of reserves of energy you've been keeping because usually symphonies in the second half and you've been uh. doing the first half you have a glass of wine in the interval if you're not <laughs> driving and then the, you do the second half and you get to the first second third movement and then you're like right here we go you look at your clock and you're like we can get through this in the next 40 minutes i'll be out the car park by uh <laughs> half nine let's get this going let's do this <laughs> yeah well, I think I've got something equally as life-affirming and uh, by another composer starting with B, which is Bartok. In fact, Ooh. two Bs, Bella Bartok. <laughs> um, so this he composed, not quite on his deathbed, but certainly, you know, in the very final chapter of his life. And it's the Concerto for Orchestra finale, which is marked Presto. Mm. And I mean, I, it's hard to choose, you know, either the opening of it, which is like champagne you know all the bubbles and and all the excitement of what what's to come uh or the end where you get this clattering brass coming in it's so thrilling particularly live mm. to hear it and this is the perfect culmination of the whole concerto so you get to choose do you want the build-up or the delivery i would like the delivery please cut to the chase okay for leather playing yeah really f like frenetic and frantic and and yeah. that's how to use your brass section isn't it <laughs> just a mighty mighty sound now that recording in fact was um 
by the Boston Philharmonic with mm. Benjamin Zander. And I was lucky enough to spend a year with them um, as a, an early career conductor. And I just really commend everybody to go to YouTube and look up that particular account of Bartok's Concerto for Orchestra because I think there is so much vivacity and the folk rhythms and clarity in the score and really interesting new ideas, you know. It really opened my ears to details in the score that I'd never heard before and mm. I love that. Yeah. You know, I'm a little biased. I was going to say, are you in the video? <laughs> Sadly not. Oh, no, this okay. is a, a very recent account. But okay. um, no, I was pleased. To, and you know, it was right there at the top of the, the YouTube suggestions. Great. Which is great. Mm. Um, so yes, that is the Boston Philharmonic under Benjamin Zander. So those are my two. I feel like mine is, maybe you could call it more lowbrow, but I, I you know love it so much and I already know that you love this one too because you talked about it before but it's John Williams yes yes it's the finale and end credits of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade which is one of my dad's favorite films so we would watch it constantly growing up um and on VHS as well so I'm pretty sure we rewound and re-listened to the end credits so many times because it's just glorious and for me, it has the same effect as listening to the best symphonies in the world. Just listen to this end credit. So, yeah, more power to John Williams. never fails does it can't help but sing along i love it so much oh man i wonder why it's such a perennial you know you, i never get bored of that no and it gets me like excited every time i hear it and i think i don't know it's the music it's the the film i suppose that it's attached to as well it just makes you feel happy and yeah yeah i i think it's just the trumpet gene for yeah. me is if anything i would just love to be a trumpeter for that one moment to play yeah. that theme um and the rhythms the martial rhythms beneath it just you know it's all part of it isn't it i'm happy playing the rhythm i'd be like dum, 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 dum. <laughs> that's the bit i like <laughs>
well, what a beautiful note on which to end <laughs> this season. Just to say, this isn't our swan song, though. No, 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 this is not goodbye. No, this isn't a final farewell. Oh, perish the thought. We'll be back in September. With many, many more things and hopefully a couple of celebrities to interview. I know, that'd be exciting. But for now, thank you for joining us on this, I'm going to, I'm going to use the J word, wonderful journey. Oh no! <laughs> but it is a journey, isn't it, Has? It's been lovely. I've enjoyed you sitting here having a chat, cup of tea. Yes, we, we work hard to prepare all this, of course. <laughs> oh yeah, of course, I hasten, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hasten to add. Um, and we're looking forward to joining you again after the summer. Have a really good one. Dioch and Hoylvaur. Hoylvaur.